When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Newcastle Natter. Who's that voice? It's Fergus Craig. He's back. They said he couldn't come back, <laughs> but he has. And he's joined by Dave Watson. Hi. And Paul Doolan. Hello. And he intends to refer to himself in the third person <laughs> for the rest of the show. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go straight in. There's a tweet from at Lagrange and he asks uh, a very good simple question based on performance and result who do you think who do we think the result benefited more between Newcastle and Sunderland and this is a reference of course to the derby this weekend 1-1 one, one. who are you asking Paul oh, both of you alright Dave I'm looking at you I'm asking right. you who did it benefit most? Yeah. It was the result that doesn't really help either of us, um, but I think they'll be more happy with it because it's a point away from home. However, it could be the turning point of our season because it was, uh, we've stopped the rot against in the, the derby. You know, we're not, it's, it's now not seven in a row. It's, we, you know, we, we, we salvaged a point from the jaws of defeat. Um, Mitrovic will hopefully get some, com- uh, some confidence. Uh, there's, there's positives for both sides, but at the end of the day, God damn, we both needed a win in that game and neither of us got it. So we did. It's, it's maintained the status quo, which sees us in 19th. Well, yeah. I was going to say like the, that result in isolation is a decent result for both of us. However, the football league isn't uh, uh, isolated, so not Norwich are Norwich are the ones who've benefited most from that. that Terrible result. weekend for us with regards to uh, Norwich winning a game yeah. as well, Paul. Well, I think it was, and our result definitely benefited Norwich the most. But people are getting very. It seems to be every weekend now, people only concentrate on that weekend's results and being like, that's what the table's going to be like now. Yeah. Like, there's still eight games to go for us, seven for Norwich. We're three points behind Norwich with a game in hand. So it's not... Suddenly people are saying, like, that's Newcastle and Sunderland both down and Norwich are safe. Norwich had one shot on target against West Brom and scored. Mm. They're not suddenly going to be winning every week and I don't think you can discount Crystal Palace and uh, this is definitely not because of Pardew I'm just saying that Crystal Palace are only in inverted commas they're only five points clear of Norwich and they can't seem to find a win anywhere they can't they're not they are they are in the worst run of form I've seen since us last year they are playing Villa soon though did, yeah, they, they, they might they might be Villa, but then I've seen in the in the press that uh, or on Twitter that Villa are looking to sack Remy Gard and replace him with uh, Nigel Pearson, and that new manager bounce is not going to be good enough to, <laughs> to to save them. It's probably not going to be good enough to get them off the bottom of the table. However, it could mean could mean that they take uh, points off people like 
uh, Crystal Palace. Well, I, I didn't. I didn't envisage us talking about Pardew so early in the podcast. <laughs> but did you see his uh, program notes? Uh, the game against Leicester. Well, the, the the but for luck, that's where Crystal Palace would. Be. It was basically. <laughs> yeah. It was basically Leicester are lucky, and it was very bitter, even by his standards. It's. Like, I know I've been banging the drum and I know I've ranted about him quite a lot, but it is quite nice to see that he's... Like, I've got nothing against Crystal Palace. I'd be just as happy if he was doing it with Watford or West Ham or with with Bournemouth. I don't care. It's that Alan Pardew's... You've got something against Pardew. Yeah, because he's a schmuck and I want him to publicly and, you know, quite spectacularly fail, which he's doing. So my, my point was that, yes... Um, we're in the shit. Sunderland are in the shit. Norwich are in the shit. But Palace aren't by any stretch of the mean, any stretch of the imagination out of it. Especially when you take into account the games that they've coming up, when they've got coming up, where they're facing West Ham, they're facing ourselves, but they're also facing um, Man United, and I think they've got Arsenal as well. Like they might pick up points against us. I think they've got Norwich too, which worries me because I think Norwich will definitely win that. They could do, but then again, like uh, a point shared between them could be as destructive to both their seasons as a point between Sunderland and ourselves mm. are to us in in the context of the, that um, I worry that, that weekend. Um, and I, I take full responsibility for this. I worry that too early in the podcast we've got into the ins and outs of who we're all facing <laughs> what and yeah. the relegation battle. Oh, it's not your fault, let's, it's Granger's fault. Let's talk about the game. Uh, Paul, do you think 1-1, a result that I traditionally uh, predict, Mm -hmm. so you can just assume that's what I was predicting, although I didn't answer. But you would have But you both predicted that on Twitter, I think, 1-1. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we forgot to do it during the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't seem like a big deal. Well, that's what happens when there's not a proper host there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shots fired. Paul, was 1-1 a fair result? I think it was. was, I saw... A few people saying Sunderland deserved to win by two or more goals after the game. I don't. What? Like they were good for the first hour, but we were easily in it as much towards the end. We sure, but the more first like, hour that is most of a game of football. But we looked more likely to win it towards the end. And you got to bear in mind that for all they had. They were dominant in the first half, and you've got to give them credit. They were absolutely on top in the first half. They didn't actually test. Rob Elliott that much in the first half I, I think um, Van Aanholt's chance came in the, the second that was the second half that amazing yeah. save that was an amazing save and it brings on uh, like we'll touch on it later there's another tweet that, that came in that we should talk about but uh, it, but it, their keeper didn't have no, any good saves to make either it, no a lot, a lot of the stuff that a lot of the saves that he makes I think we had um, eight shots on target um, and that's yeah, you know, that's decent. I, I, and I know the the majority of the shots were fairly comfortable for Manone, but the football that we played in the second half, we grew as the game went on. And if that game went on for another like ten, fifteen minutes, there was only going to be one winner, and it certainly wasn't going to be Sunderland. Yeah. So the I think encouraging I, thing it was the same as the Leicester game where Benitez seemed able to make substitutions based on what he was seeing that improved us. Absolutely. Yeah. You don't fear now if we go one goal down, which seems to be what will always happen, <laughs> that there's no way back. Yeah. Which was, uh, un- under McLaren, uh, 
he wouldn't have made the the right changes and any changes he would have made. Like waiting until the the eighty fifth minute before bringing Doombier on is pointless or like yeah. CM De Jong at least when CM De Jong came on and this is going to fill your heart with joy when he came on he that was Dave referring to Paul Doolan yes yeah, sorry yeah. Uh, he Genuinely looked, he changed. He made the, a difference. He definitely did, and I thought the the play that he was in, uh, the, the the interaction he had with Perez, who, who was then shifted to the left wing, um, I thought that that paid dividends. I thought that he's a very intelligent footballer, and I hope that your dream comes true and he he is the saviour of the season. I think he'll have a heart, uh, part to play in the rest of the season. But yes. the bigger one for me was seeing Cisse come on because. Mm. Like, 1-1 one, one at home against Sunderland isn't a great result. But I think for us, it's as much about the players coming back. If you think we've been missing a clinical scorer or an instinctive finisher, we're now going to, touch wood, have that for the rest of the season. I was I was disappointed to see Cissé not come on a bit sooner. Yeah, I wanted and, him to start the game. Yeah, and uh, but when he did come on, you did suddenly notice that he does... He isn't in... Intelligent striker who makes some proper runs. Yeah, I think yeah, he just occupies a space that um, Mitrovic hasn't yet learned to to take up, and and Perez can do it, but then Perez is playing too deep, so it doesn't he doesn't. So when the goal that we scored, um, which uh, which came about from Vinaldum, who up until that point. I didn't think he was much cop at all. This I was surprised Sky that he stayed gave on. him man of man, the match. That was bizarre. That was odd. I think man of the match. Uh, do you want to hear what you know? What I thought about the game. I do. I yeah. want to hear. I thought that if any team deserved to win, it was Sunderland. I mean, towards the end, yes, you're totally right. The momentum was with us at the mm. end. So you know, yeah. in the last ten minutes, we were the most likely side to win. Do you mm. think but a Sunderland win would have been more fair than a draw as a result, though? I don't think it was. I don't think they were cheated out of a victory. No, no. But I think, I think it was a bad. It was a game low on quality. I yeah. think. Yeah. And I think we were bad. Yeah. I think we were. We. I think uh, there ain't long left in the season. Nope. And we're in a terrible situation. And yes, maybe there's some. Sprouts some green shoots of recovery, mm-hmm. but it's too little, too late. You think? Probably, I hope not. Mm-hmm. But I think we were mostly pretty awful. We did, we did. When you look at the stats, we had most of the possession. We had more shots. Blah blah blah. But most of those shots, I mean, pretty much all of those shots were comfortable. Well, weak. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think uh, that lot, was panicky finishing yeah. as well, a lot of And that. some panicky defending. In th- you know, yeah. that. Yeah. That, but uh, we always traditionally look incredibly panicky in the derby. Like, in some ways, but it, it, it does look so, like a good result getting a point against Sunderland. It does stop the rot of, what, seven in a row. Yeah. Yeah, it does stop uh, yeah, that particular rot, but there are many other rots. Yeah. Yeah. Going but on right now. I, I look at it. I think if if you were to if we were to have faced Norwich this weekend and Sunderland next weekend, I would be confident that we would have taken a point off Norwich this weekend and we would have beaten Sunderland next weekend because of the influence that Raf is having and because of the players that are coming back. Because you look at the players that are due to be fit for Norwich. You're talking about Colaccini, Cecchiote, Kevin and Barbu. 
Massa. Dummett, do you think is he going to be back? He's, or he's touch and go. Haidara's having a left back, back would help. Yeah. Is Jack Colbeck? Uh, Jack Colbeck is not the answer. Yeah, let's talk about Jack Colbeck. Oh my oh. god! I mean, that here's the problem with uh, football. Sometimes football fans will always say. Uh, what we really need is some passion on that pitch. Yeah, someone yeah. fighting for the cause. Mm. And I remember seeing someone tweet at halftime how awful we were and we'd be better off if they just plucked 11 fans from the, <laughs> yeah, from the, sta- well. from the stands. Yeah, we'd, get, yeah. we'd get more fight. At least, at least we'd get some fight. One... <laughs> Just imagine what a hilarious sight <laughs> that would be. There'd be but, a lot of vomiting in that game. <laughs> but two, sometimes when you <laughs> yeah, when you want some passion and some fight, sometimes what you get is Jack Colback, his performance. Yeah. I mean, it, you could see that it mattered something for him. Sure. But he wouldn't stop fouling. No. Yeah. You, you've got. You've already got a yellow. Shut up. He was like. <laughs> He he got a yellow for persistent fouling, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then, after a couple of fouls, he was going on and on at the ref and the linesman. Then he yeah. was pulling chunks out of people's shirts. This was all in the first half. While the guy was on the floor and going nowhere, he's got a fistful of Barini's shirt. It was, it was ludicrous. And what I would say is, compare his passion, in inverted commas, to Mitrovic's. Mitrovic was controlled aggression. There was a point where uh, he was disappointed with a throw-in towards the end of the... Oh, he, yes. He was yeah. disappointed and he was run, he, he like began to run towards the ref as if he's going to comp- like you know get in the ref's face. And because he's on... I th- he was on a yellow, wasn't he? At yeah. that point. He, he just went, no, no, I can't. I'm not allowed to. It was to. amazing. It, it was, was an amazing brilliant. view of a man battling with his demons. <laughs> I mean, yeah. who would have thought at the beginning of the season that we'd be praising Mitrovic for his controlled <laughs> aggression. But he I mean, he's in line now to be releasing a fragrance called controlled <laughs> aggression. He kind of looked, it looked like he was about to attack the referee and then the batteries in the controller died yeah. and he just stopped. <laughs> but so, so my point was that, that Jack Colback let the... Um, let the, the the occasion get to him, and that that guy. I know he's being played out of position, but he's let the last two goals that Newcastle United have conceded have come directly from a stupid mistake. Not not him having a, a tussle in the centre of the park. It was a stupid mistake on the byline has resulted in the last two goals that we've conceded. So explain to me, because as far as I can see, in the goal in this game, there's quite a lot of people you could blame. Uh, put it on. Who stop cracking your fingers, Dave? I know we were in a tense situation. <laughs> but who? Why was it Colback's fault that goal? Well, because Colback, like Barini, was in a situation where it wasn't a great deal of danger. It was about uh, five yards over the halfway line, mm. maybe ten, and it was on the byline. And Colback didn't need to go through him from the back. He he had him, and he, he just oh, a so he gave copy. away the free kick. He gave away the free okay. kick, and it was a. Stupid foul to give away at that point because Barini's going nowhere, just like Mares was going nowhere yeah, the Leicester against game Leicester. Was the same, wasn't and it? it was like if you've got a prof- if you've got a, a, a natural left back in that position that's of any quality and has any sense about them, they'll hold the player there, sure, but they won't go through the back of him. And then when the when the cross came in, it's I mean to be fair, we've got. Um, 
Jack Colback, we've got Lascelle, uh, we've got Mbemba just coming back from injury. Like Townsend lost his man and had to sprint to get back in the box and then didn't know what he was doing in the box. There, there was a lot of errors. But there was again, a lot of blame to go piece. around. Yeah, uh, I think the sight of about 10 players all chasing the same yeah. ball when it came out was worrying. That, was, that showed that we're still a load of headless chickens when it comes to uh, the six-yard box uh, defensively and probably attacking-wise as well. When that, the shot came in, uh, I think it was four players went straight to try and get that ball. Mm. No one thought... Right. I mean, I understand yeah. that we're all showing a lot of passion and we've all just been plucked out of the stands. Yeah. Yeah. But no one thought, there's Jermaine Defoe yeah. there. <laughs> he is their only <laughs> goal threat. <laughs> if it was like Jan Mvila or, or whomever that was that put in the final touch, you could go, well, I can understand why he was left alone because he's yeah. not that much of a threat, you would, you would think. But it, like you're saying, it's Jermaine Defoe yeah. who consistently... Oh. And what Jermaine Defoe did... So, so it was a save from a good shot. Yeah. Right? The ball went up. Jermaine Defoe didn't run in and go, oh, I've got to get the ball, the ball, yeah. I've got to get the ball. Right? I can understand a defender needs to make a clearance. But he was like, this ball might come out to me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, he's, he's the difference between um, the, 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 the clubs down there. He's a consistent goal scorer. I mean, he's, I can't remember what he's on, but he's, he, he could get 15 goals this season. And to go mm. down with 15 goals proves that you need to have a good defence to stay in the league. And the the clubs that are down there, Norwich, Newcastle, Sunderland, Villa, Crystal Palace, Swansea, none of them have got what I would call a good defence. Not over the course of the season, certainly. Yeah. I mean, you look at the goal differences down there and like Palace and Swansea have, have plummeted a bit. So theirs is still all right. It's only minus eight, minus nine. But then the rest of them, you, you're talking, you know, it's over 22 goals that the, they're, in the, they're in the red for. Yeah, and us and Villa are the ones who have been most regularly tonked. Yes, our goal yeah. difference is uh, an astonishingly bad minus 26. I think Seven worse than Sunderland. Sunderland as well. You consider they had that massive defeat. Was it Southampton beat them this season? Eight, like seven yeah, or eight? Yeah. One. Right, but so they, they, but that shows that in a lot of games, Allardyce... Has he's made a difference? Grind out but he can't. Kind of he still seems unable to get them keeping clean sheets. And also, he can't. He can't get them to hold on to a a, a lead. I mean, you, you look at the last few games that Sunderland have have played, and they've surrendered a lead. And for a team around the bottom with a manager who's supposed to be this, you know stoic grind out a result kind of manager he's just not grinding out results I do think that'll come with Allardyce though they don't like, they haven't got long the left. fact they've conceded very late goals in the last two sort of although it suggests they can't hold on to a lead the Southampton one they were sort of seconds away from doing it but if you like they, they the reason that we got back into it is as much because we grew in confidence as it is because they just started retreating and retreating. We were allowed to play Vernon Anita and Musa Sissoko as fullbacks for the final. Sissoko, what a left back as well. Well, compared so the, to Jack yeah, Colbert, but you, you, you look at the fact that he was facing up against uh, a, a right winger who was knackered, 
who'd had the joy of playing against Jack Colback all yeah. day, and suddenly there's a there's a big physical presence who's not just lumping, you know, kicking lumps out of his ankle. And on the other side, Vernon and Nita had very little to do defensively. So they were allowed to play so far up the pitch that they were allowed to contribute attacking-wise, but while not actually being under that much pressure defensively, yeah. I wouldn't suddenly play Musa Soko and Vernon no. Anita at fullback for the game against Norwich. So, sorry. Uh, one, I think we need to be careful about uh, smugly criticising uh, Sunderland when we are one point behind them and uh, they have. Oh, I'm going to criticise them because they gave okay. up a, a win. We got into this situation uh, with Sissoko at left back because Jack Colback had to be taken off because he's an idiot. He's yeah. now, thankfully, suspended for two that games. That is a relief. Yeah. But who's going to be at left back? Freddie Woodman? No, so... so <laughs> that, I mean, who... Like ho- we, hopefully someone's coming back. Yeah, that, that's that's the, the hope. Is It'll either be Masaido Haidara, Kevin and Babu, or... Um, we will likely see somebody played out of position, maybe Vernon and Anita. Can't Saive play at left back as well? Wasn't that one of the things we were? He told? might do. I, How I unfancied does he look though? Not even he wasn't on the bench. Was he, he was on the bench. Oh, Dundia was wasn't on the bench. Uh, well, this I is, thought was interesting. But then I, traditionally, every season now we sign on loan <laughs> a striker with a good goal scoring record somewhere else who yeah. plays zero part in our season. But then yeah. he must like. He and Ferreira, Ferreira must not be doing it in training if players who aren't scoring goals are still being picked ahead of them in the in the first team. Because Mitrovic hasn't, you know, he hasn't been prolific. I think he's got six for the season now. Correct. Yeah. Um, Perez hasn't been prolific at all. So, and yet they're still being picked ahead of Dumbia. So. <sighs> If Emmanuel Riviere is getting picked before yeah, you, perfect, you're yeah. doing something wrong in training. So. Mitrovic was mentioned just there. We've managed to go quite a long time without talking about Mitrovic. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Paul? I just thought he was brilliant. I mean, he's, he's not clinical, but that's because he doesn't really get the service. But it was nice to see what happens if you actually stick a decent ball into him and play to his strengths. I think having Cissé up alongside him helped as well because we've got finally a striker next to him who can draw centre-backs away from him. I think Great. it's that could be quite a benefit going on. Great header. Yeah. Mm. Phenomenal celebration. <laughs> Ketsbyer-esque. Oh, yeah. I say. It was just, he's our very own warlord. <laughs> 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 running around trying to evade capture. Yeah. Oh, he just looks mad. And even he, more so for the uh, the concussion yeah. where he was desperate <laughs> to play on. So the guy who uh, there was a a pitch invader. Yeah. Oh, yeah. who got yeah. taken out in the celebration? Yeah. John West. John West, thirty-five, apparently. Bloody hell. Really? really? Have a look at the picture. Yeah. Jesus. Christ. Thirty-five years old. I supposedly. at first thought it was John Carver because he was at the game. <laughs> no, did look, look a bit John Carver. Did you see the uh, the photograph that Ryan Taylor posted on Twitter or f- Instagram me. or something? Excuse oh, oh Fergus, come on. Didn't get this last Sorry, Sorry, just another fucking job offer. Uh, (laughs) Ryan Taylor posted a a picture of him standing next to John Carver and Ryan Taylor's holding his finger and thumb to his face, uh, mimicking the the side of a phone call. Because obviously John Carver 
released Ryan Taylor and Jonas Gutierrez over the phone. Oh, last really? Year. So that was <laughs> well, the good thing. to see that they can have a laugh yeah. about yeah. it. And there was a lovely clip when um, there was a, a we we got a free kick just outside the the box, and the camera just panned up to Carver and Ryan Taylor and and. And Ryan Taylor, they'd obviously gone, oh, like, I'd fancy it from here. And Ryan Taylor started to take his jacket off as if he was going to, like, sprint onto the pitch and take it. I would have. I remember hearing once that um, Ryan Taylor and Stephen Taylor in the Newcastle squad were known as Beavis and Butthead because because apparently they are thick as shit. (laughs) That's something I heard. I don't know if it's true, but apparently they were notorious for being really stupid. It doesn't strike me. I think Jack Colbeck's probably taken Ryan Taylor's place on that sofa. I mean, we don't have many... Like, CMD Young looks like a man who can finish a cryptic cryptic crossword, but then Mitrovic would probably just try and eat it. CMD Young, I would like to see... Starring in a sort of Dutch detective series, like a Scandi, like yeah. on the bridge or something. Where occasionally he'll call his brother Luke and get like <laughs> an insight that solves the case. Luke's doing really well at the minute. Oh. He's scoring a stack of goals. Uh, but about Mitrovic, I thought mind. Mitrovic was uh, the, the majority of the game. I thought he he was because he was he was up against like two fairly big physical centre halves. I think personally, I would have pushed. Perez up alongside him and played a four four two, like a, a you know a traditional four four two. Yep, I thought that's what we were supposed to be playing. Yeah, but I think Perez was just dropped too deep, and I can again I can kind of understand that when you've got the three midfielders, if you include include Perez, none of them are really that capable of being a defensive midfielder. And when you look at the last two games, we faced two. You know, true blue defensive midfielders in decent form in Kirchhoff and in uh, N'Golo Kante, and that's been the difference. Uh, the, like yeah. Kirchhoff absolutely dominated the centre of the park, yeah. and I think if if they didn't have him, or if we had Chetiote on top form, or you know whatever, then Perez would have been much further up. But I think we needed that like that help in the centre of the park, which is now back to Mitrovic's yeah, sorry. celebration. Sorry, yeah. yeah. So he took out the um, the supporter, but what a what a lovely moment for the yeah, lad, yeah. for the thirty five year old lad. <laughs> um, God. But uh, I now I don't want to be a party pooper. Oh God! But I thought we really needed three points. What we didn't, I mean, I can see that it like lifted spirits and was part of the momentum that we managed to grab hold of for the rest of the game. Yeah. But we really didn't need a two-minute-long celebration. That, for me, as enjoyable as it was, the situation that we were in, that was uh, get the ball out of the net and put it back on the uh, centre spot. Against if, oh. it, if it had come against Watford mm. or anybody else, I would agree with you. But I understand, but I think there's I, something I think slightly like embarrassing. You, no! About, I think there's something embarrassing. slightly embarrassing about we've lost the last six... I can understand. Fuck knows what I would do. Yeah. But we've lost the last six derbies. Mm -hmm. And here we are scoring the equalising goal. And it's like we've won the World Cup. But I think that's part of the reason because we've lost the last six. Yeah. Yeah. But like, what was... Was your reaction to jump up and celebrate for a few seconds and sit back down like, right, let's get back on with the game. I'll tell you exactly what my reaction was. And he, this, he, this shows what a flawed character I am. This is exactly <laughs> my reaction. 
my reaction was to go, yes! Then see him take his shirt off and then start tweeting, calm down. <laughs> we need three points here. Uh, that was exactly what my reaction Mine was, was sustained. Which means that in live time, I missed that whole thing with the fan because <laughs> I was too busy sending my error Push, tweet, Pushing your social media brand. Yeah, which was completely <laughs> unnoticed. See, I just think my celebration was sustained and loud enough to make the neighbours upstairs genuinely worried about what was happening. <laughs> Did they come down? No, but you could hear, like, shuffling up there, like, something's, something's going on down there. Mine, mine was absolutely brutal. I became hoarse from it, and my girlfriend said that I... Uh, my fiancé said that I've completely ruined Sunday with my mania. That it was just... I just went mental for a good... Like, you're it's been a long time two minutes. Right. I was, like five minutes still just like every so often okay. go, get the fucking yeah. And yeah so I I understand yeah. that in the context of the, 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 the whole season that extra 30 seconds might have meant a goal but it, I know I'm, I know I'm being a sports ball and, and I know also, that the ref, the ref football is it. about the ref stops the game football so. is about those moments of joy and everything yeah it's similar to the like people were having a go at Arsenal the other week for celebrating the equaliser against Spurs as if it was a, a huge deal but they were 2-1 down with 10 men and you can't you can't isolate those things it has to be about what's gone before as yeah. well I think sure I think in the context of Mitrovic not really scoring much looking like we were going to lose and like hmm. the consequences of that being Sunderland harder to catch yeah it wasn't just about getting back on level terms it was about the season a loss against a loss against Sunderland would, for a myriad of reasons, been the final nail in the coffin, and we would have gone down. I don't know. I no, think... well, this is because I think the 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 crushing defeat to to Sunderland of yet another derby loss, uh, a loss against a relegation rivals in a six pointer, the manner in which it came, where we didn't really play well in the first half, but and we played better in the second. If we, if all of those transpired, the the the, the damage to our morale, the damage to everything else, I couldn't see us getting out of it. But with one point, we have a lifeline. I put it to you, Dave Watson. <laughs> yes, sir. Knowing you, <laughs> as I do, that if we had lost that game, you would be sat here saying, it is not the final nail in the coffin. No, well, and listen, you would be telling, us, be going how, you'd be telling us all the reasons why, with, why we would be staying up. I, last last podcast where uh, where where Paul was manfully hosting it and, and doing Thanks, it with, with with a lot more you know class than Fergus <laughs> is doing so far. Uh, Paul, what was my um, what was my percentage? It was about fifty fifty at that point, wasn't it? Or maybe maybe worse. Maybe I was more yeah, confident. I think we'd it go was down. fifty fifty, something like that, because of the Rafa influence, and maybe I got swept up in that. But now. I'd still say we're about 65% going down. Yeah, I'm at 75%. You, Paul? 70. 70. So we, 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 we I'm still gather 65, in tight groups, I think I'll go 65. I'm, 65. There's still seven games, and we've still got... Seven games? Decent fi- eight for us, sorry. Seven for yeah. Norwich. Yeah. But we've still got... It's still in our hands, really. Mm-hmm. We're playing Norwich. We've got some winnable. Well, it's fixtures. not in our hands. Well, not, not to the point if there are two but teams that aren't going to win all their games. I mean, no, but neither are we. There are two teams that need to drop points, and of course, I'm sure they will drop points. Mm-hmm. But there are two teams that we need to overtake to uh, to be safe. Yeah. I do think with the international break and a lot of players. 
coming back, yeah. we'll have close to a, f- a full strength first eleven. And we also get to play against. And I know that in a in a relegation scrap, it's sometimes better to play like lower mid table clubs who've got nothing to play for and who've already got their their sandals on. But we do play the worst teams in the league. We're playing Swansea, we're playing Palace, we're playing Norwich and we're playing Villa. Those are, you know, aside from ourselves and Sunderland, they are the worst teams in the league. And if we can take points from anybody, I would I would be more confident about us taking points away against them than I would be. Because you look at the, the other one, guys. The one team yeah. who everyone's taking points off, who uh, we've already got our three points off them, Norwich just got their three points off them, and Sunderland are about to get their three points off West Brom. Yeah, could be. West Brom is everyone's free Freebie. three points yeah. in this relegation battle. It seems it could be, but uh, then we sorry. Swansea are Norwich have just uh, kept two clean sheets in a row, and they've got four points in the last two games. Norwich, yeah. and one of those was against. Man U, Man Norwich are showing Man some City. proper Man City. Man City, Man Norwich are showing some proper form. That's our next game. Southampton is our next game after that. Mm-hmm. Then it's uh, Swansea. They're showing some form, aren't they? A little bit now. They've sort of slowed down. Sort of, I think now yeah. they're safe. But I mean, yeah. Hopefully, we. Th- the exciting thing is that we do now have that international break, and we've got an, a real actual manager. Yeah. yeah who will hopefully be able to... So I don't think any of us thought there'd be an immediate effect from Benitez. It's all about having the time with the players. So we can't suddenly get one point from two games. The derby, none of us thought earlier in this season we'd get any points from. I think we have to sort of still keep a little bit of perspective. Like any, If, if Benitez is a great manager, his effect isn't going to be immediate. It's all about training them. Well, this is the worry because what we actually need is... a pretty rapid effect because of the situation that we're in sure i wasn't here for the last podcast i listened to it while i was uh standing in line waiting to go in the cable car which goes <laughs> up table mountain uh one of the seven uh unesco wonders of the world and uh does that, that, <laughs> does, that count, does that count as a humble brag I think it I does, don't yeah. think there was anything humble about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you were in a queue. You didn't have, you know. That's true. I didn't. Yeah. Maybe we should ask people to tweet in where they're listening to it. Yeah. Yeah. I guarantee most of them will be taking a shit. Yeah. <laughs> but that. that uh, Please don't tell us you're having a shit. That, well, listening to that podcast sort of tempered the beauty of the circumstances I was in. But I, I didn't get the chance to talk about the Benitez appointment. Yeah. And. It excites me a lot. But Tell your it, face. I, I almost... <laughs> <laughs> I almost... There's something slightly depressing about it because I feel like it's it's kind of cruel because I feel yeah. like we're probably going down and it's a sort of look-what-you-could-have-had situation. It's like your last meal on death row where it's like you can have the best meal in the world but you're still going to be executed. Yeah. <laughs> that is an excellent analogy, Paul. That's a that depressing is, that's, <laughs> a sort, that's the sort of analogy that we could have from the host of this podcast. <laughs> we could do it. But here's something ludicrous. See what you think. Everyone is saying about Rafa that he's not the sort of manager who comes in to a squad and gives them an immediate motivational boost. Okay. Jamie Carragher was saying he's someone he takes his... It takes a while for his ideas to come 
to get over and all of that. Would we have been better no. in the situation <laughs> that we're in yeah. to have brought in someone like Tim Sherwood? Oh, no. no. Now, I've, I've thrown in Tim Sherwood to be provocative. Okay. Nigel Pearson. Nigel Pearson. David Moyes. Well, no, no because David Moyes yeah, is another say. slow burner, I think. So he's a, he's a builder. So uh, is Rogers. I, I but, like, you know you one of those big motivational characters, like, I, like fucking Keegan, hmm. like, who would not have been an option, but... Harry Redknapp. Harry Redknapp. Yeah. Like, these are not... Pe- if we were giving these people five-year contracts and were saying we're going to build a club with Tim Sherwood, I would find that awful. And Tim Sherwood, that thing is gone now because it would mm. be laughed at yes. when he's in there. He, uh, he's lost his motivational skills, I would imagine. Good. Right? But someone like... I don't know. Is there anyone out there like I, Harry Redknapp a few years ago? I think someone- all these managers, were the, they're all talked about as being great in a relegation battle. And that's sort of the thing about the motivation, people saying Benitez doesn't really know how to mix it in a relegation battle. But that's because he's too good to have been involved in them. Like his mm. teams get too many points to be in a relegation battle. Well, here's the thing about... I'm just playing devil's advocate yeah, yeah, yeah. here and everyone got so excited about Benitez yeah and so am I because I know he's a proper manager mm-hmm. but at the same time he's never been in a relegation battle because when has he been in the last 10-15 years at a club that would ever be in a relegation battle he's been at Liverpool and Inter Milan and Real Madrid yeah, yeah. Chelsea and, uh, were nearly in one this year for a yeah, but the, so, so to answer true. your question is the reason that people say, well, has he got it? Has he got what it takes to be in a relegation battle and climb out of it? Yeah, because he's a really good manager. So, yes, he might not come in and be, uh, have to rely on just motivating a, a, a set of players. What he'll do is he'll, you can already see it that he's drilling that defense and making that defense better. And it's like he, he will make us so much harder to beat. And he will make us more composed on the ball. And once he's made us more composed on the ball and harder at beat, we will then be able to attack better. So when people say, oh, is he the right man for a relegation battle? No, but then our team isn't the right team for a relegation battle. We've got too many players who, are, who would be, like their natural quote-unquote position would be mid-table, maybe, you know, maybe just a little bit above. So I wouldn't want... Nigel Pearson trying to bollock a performance out of Musa Sissoko, Genie Wijnaldum, Iose Perez. Because we've tried it with John, fair, we've tried it with John Carver. Yeah, that's a fair point. That type of manager. I, mean, I think that's a unfair on Nigel Pearson to maybe lump him in with John They're both Carver. But. Mad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I, I like with Nigel Pearson. He he wouldn't get he wouldn't get a response from. 90% of the players that we've got, he just wouldn't. Like, Colaccini's not going to react to somebody sh- shouting at yeah. him because he just, he's not, he's, that's not it's what I'm asking for. I'm not asking for someone to come in and shout at the players. I don't know what I'm asking for, but like, there's. You're just concerned that Rafa comes in as too much of like a polished and calm and and he would need half a season to get this group of players. This is the consistent the thing that people keep saying about him. He's not this great motivator yeah. who does things quickly. Absolutely. But that is what we need. But I think that's the managerial equivalent of the argument about could Messi do it on a wet Wednesday night in Stoke? Maybe. I'd, yeah. I think what we don't, I don't think we do need someone who'd come in as that type of motivator because that approach doesn't seem to get the best out of the players we've got because yeah. they think they're better than that you position. Might, yeah. Yeah. I think bringing in a top manager weirdly is the best way to get out good 
performances out of our players. One last go at my provocatively devil's advocate (laughs) stance. He's come back from South Africa really ornery, hasn't he? Jesus. Here we go. Here we go. (laughs) You, Kip, are they that, that bad? (laughs) I kept on hearing... We're full up. We're just full up. There's no room. (laughs) Here we go. Listen, listen, listen. I keep on hearing... Here we go. Everyone says what a top manager Rafa Benitez is, including me, right? right? I go along with that. But then I was like looking through his managerial record... I was trying to work out, does he deserve the reputation that he has? I, look at all have the you look at his trophies, trophies he's won. <laughs> Seriously, look at the number of trophies he's won. At, at, like, pretty much every club he's won the Champions League with Liverpool. Yeah. Right, and, and some cups, right? But it's Liverpool, right? Yeah. yeah Champions say, League. And he's what he won, Liverpool, won a cup amazing, with Chelsea, right? didn't he? Was it the... Europa League? Was it the Europa League? Or, or it might be the Super cup. cup. He's won trophies at every club he's been at. And, and the clubs that are looking to employ this manager aren't... He's not winning the Europa League with fucking Spurs. He's winning the Europa League with a massive club. He's, he's going to Real Madrid, and Real Madrid are giving him a point. But he's, he's won Serie A with Valencia as well. Like any, was it I Valencia? bet he didn't. Who is it he won Serie A with? He did really well with Valencia. Not Valencia Serie A, sorry, was La, La Liga. <laughs> <laughs> he won the- that, that would be some accomplishment. That's how good he is, Fergus. <laughs> he won, the, Sp- he won the-, <laughs> the Scottish Premier League with Deportivo. Like, <laughs> in, uh- yeah, because Valencia was where he sort of made his name. Like anyone that can finish ahead of Real Madrid and Barcelona in that league, regardless of the era... Is a very good manager. Yeah, that was yeah. a long time. I'm sorry, ago. he's not Nigel Pearson. Yeah, God. you're in love with. Him. I never brought up Nigel Pearson. <laughs> all you bang on about. I'm all right. I was fine. I just thought I'd play a little bit as Pearson's advocate, devil's advocate. I just remember him when he was in charge of Liverpool through those years. I remember as a neutral seeing him as a slightly tragic figure. But you have well, to remember yeah. some of the terrible players he had at Liverpool, admittedly, he signed. Well, he's, he signed yeah, but he's now joined the team that's 19th in the Premier League. But I think some of those Liverpool journeyman players of the time aren't that different to some of the quality we've got. Sort of Jimmy Traore, Vladimir Smitser. I think we're... Okay. That's we're not fine. a million I just miles thought I'd away. Give, I'd, I, mean, I just thought I'd... So he won, the, he won La Liga twice with Valencia and the UEFA Cup. He won the FA Cup and the Community Shield, the Champions League and the Super Cup with Liverpool. He won the Super Cup Italiana with Inter Milan and he won the FIFA Club World Cup with Inter Milan. He won the... Plastic Uwe- trophies. He, plastic <laughs> he won trophies. the Europa FIFA League. FIFA World Club, <laughs> Club World Cup. <laughs> no one cares about that. The Super... Won, any won, cup that starts with Super, I don't care. Those he, ones he, don't count. That's, he, he won the Europa that's like League. That's the Charity Shield. <laughs> He won the Europa League with Chelsea. He won the Coppa Italia with Napoli. The Super Coppa Italiana with Napoli. Supers, don't the, care about the Supers. He won La Liga Best Coach in 2002. He won UEFA Manager of the Year 2003-2004. Oh, years ago. And years ago. <laughs> he won the LMA Special America Award then, 2006. Dave. He won Premier League Manager of the Month six times. November, 20, November, 2000, <laughs> November 2005, December 2005, January 2007, October 2008, March 2009, April 2013. Yes, the man's a good coach. Dave, in 1998 to 99, did he save Plymouth Argyle from relegation to the Football Conference? In which year? Nigel Pearson did. (laughs) (laughs) Which year was that? 98. It was the Jimmy Glass. 98. No, he was he was taking uh, Extreme Madura from the Segunda Division to the uh, to the to the next flight up. Uh, 
He also did it later on with uh, Tenerife, uh, and he and he's won the Spanish Under Nineteen League with Real Madrid and the Spanish Under Nineteen Cup with Real Madrid Under Nineteens. I'm just saying, the guy's a coach. I mean, that he's was a, a great coach. run, but Thanks. in there there was a few Under Nineteens. <laughs> he's still a coach. He's still a trophy. As and I never said Nigel Pearson. So fuck <laughs> off. Did. You you did bring up Tim Sherwood though <laughs> as, a, as, a joke. Sh- as a joke. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, like I say, I was just playing a bit of, a bit of devil's advocate, yeah. and you've made the case for Rafa. Okay? Thanks. Yeah. All right. But I didn't I, think I it felt, needed to I be made. I felt for a little while in that week while I was away, looking on Twitter, looking. At, I felt like I lived in a totalitarian Rafa state where he'd done no wrong. It was interesting because you it's, weren't here before the last one. We were in after the Chelsea podcast, and they had a very different view to yeah. Rafa Benitez. Yeah, I do I, think there's a dip. There was. It suddenly got into like. And it, it's because of what we've had before. But suddenly yeah. it was like Rafa oh. was the world's finest manager. No, I, th- I, th- like, I think no. what we said is that of all the managers and coaches available to us, he, like who were, sorry, not even available to us, that was available, he's probably the second best one out there yeah. after yeah. Jose yeah. Mourinho. Right. No, I would and if you have a normal that. looking friend who's suddenly going out with a mid-level supermodel... <laughs> You're going to be like a mid-level. He's done. Compa- it's not like one of the top, but it's still a supermodel. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking of mid-level supermodel, uh, <laughs> Rafa Benitez was sporting some uh, South Park socks. socks. Yeah. Oh, I saw that. That's in amazing. The game, uh, with Cartman on them. It's little touches nice. like that that already make me really authority. like him. Yeah. Yeah, so that was nice. And he's coming out with some interesting quotes. The same, the type of quotes that I haven't heard coming from a manager of Newcastle United since Bobby Robson, Kevin Keegan's first first thing. Where like, if this club stays up, they're a huge force. They're, they're a huge team, and they can go on to push for things. And right, the if that I'm about to drop is so large that it would dwarf London. If we stay up, <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> I truly believe that Rafa Benitez could take Newcastle to a trophy and could establish us as a comfortable top half team. Not like a not like a sporadic mm. top half team, but a comfortable under Rafa Benitez. If and again, the if is that massive. is what makes the appointment all the more painful, though. So late yeah, in the day, I do oh, agree. It, it it really is. That's what's cruel about it. But it does mean that I. I was starting to be resigned to a season in the championship and trying to look for the positives mm-hmm. of that and saying it wouldn't be that bad. Right. But now it does get even more exciting, the idea of if we did stay up, oh, we would actually have a problem yeah. manager, like I've said. No, the idea don't of have Mitrovic lo- in the championship I like, though. Yeah, and that Perez. would be fun. <laughs> we don't have long left, so there's a no. few things that we quickly need to get through. Uh, well, the first of which is what? You've just literally taken the notes away oh, no, from me, because Dave. Was, you know, uh, one thing that we got a tweet in um, from Andy Sheldon asking if there, were, there was any news on Adam Armstrong. I'm assuming that's about would we recall him? And I just I can't see that. Not with Cissé no. back, not with Dumbia, Perez, Mitrovic. But he also says that, uh, I think he brings it up because he says Mitrovic needs a strike partner. And we touched on that, that when Cissé came on, he occupied the other... The, the, the centre-halves and because of that Mitrovic was able to isolate the full-back and that's, that's why we scored and he, he, the final thing that he says is um, Elliot needs more praise and he says Tim Krull has lost the number one shirt do you agree yeah. with that? well I would say that 
Uh, one on Adam Armstrong, I'd say I would have liked to have seen him come back a little while ago, but I agree he's probably not coming back. I had a look, he hasn't scored a goal in about five weeks. That doesn't mean anything. I mean, Newcastle United have yeah. haven't really scored a goal in about five weeks, but uh, I would have liked to see him back, but no, I don't think that's happening. Yeah, I think Rob Elliott, probably our player of the season. I mean, there aren't many... He doesn't have <laughs> yeah. anyone to compete with. Okay, him or Chancel and Bemba are sort of the two yeah. where you think they'd have a shot. Which, considering Wijnaldum scored nine goals as a midfielder in his first season already, but he's true. so inconsistent. He's very inconsistent. And he, and he scored and half of those in one game yeah. and has done so Against little. Norwich, which might yeah. bode Chance, well. And Chancel and Bemba has uh, looked promising and it looks like we've got a great... Uh, potential defender there but he's also been inconsistent yeah and injured a fair bit and i was worried yesterday about how easy it seems for uh opposing players to win headers against in our him, box. Yeah. yeah against mbemba and lascelle lascelle's a giant as yeah, well. we've some, that, yeah we've got some yeah i was gonna got, bring that up i don't I, like he seems at times he seems okay but other times i think i think because he's so young I, th- I don't think he takes up the right position to to make the the challenge that he's going to yeah. make easy on himself. The guy's massive. He doesn't have to take a running jump to beat the majority of strikers. He's no. especially given that the the trend these days is to have quite a diminutive striker up front. I think it'll come. I think when you hear about Benitez, the one thing he drills into plays is all about positioning and where you need to be all the time. So you think that would improve. But was Steven Taylor injured or left out for the derby? I think think he was was left left out. out. Yeah, Yeah. I think he was on the It's interesting that LaSalle is fancied ahead of Taylor in our back two. I'd imagine it'll be Colachini and Bemba for the Norwich game. Hmm. Yeah, and uh, Townsend... Had quite a good game. I was surprised he didn't. I was surprised he was taken off when he was personally. Yeah, I think he well, was I would have just taken off. Like, maybe, but I think maybe. as well, his the change you have to say did ultimately work because it meant Wijnaldum was put on the right and he got it into Mitrovic for the goal. We've got another tweet from uh, Bedford Mag. Uh, under Steve, we would have got thrashed. Rafa got us a point. I am still sure we're going down, though. I hope I'm wrong. Uh, we also had a tweet from uh, One Up Gaming, and they wanted us to mention their podcast, One Up Gaming. So they've yeah. got their 150th pod coming out. They seem to be fans of the Natter, so why not? Yes, listen to that. Pod what solidarity. Did, yeah, a yeah. bit of solidarity. Uh, I think interesting talking about under McLaren because the changes Benitez made. If McLaren had put Sissoko at left back and brought Anita on, you imagine the crowd would have turned a bit more. Yeah, well, there's certainly, um, if if anything, uh, bringing in Rafa has cha- brought in some goodwill yeah. amongst the fan base. Yeah. Speaking of which, uh, about goodwill and all of that, Mike Ashley was interviewed today <laughs> on uh, Sky. <laughs> Uh, it was just a quick interview. Did you see it? Yeah. He, um, I thought it was quite interesting. The bit that I saw of it, he said, uh, personally, I want us to win every game, whether it's a friendly 
I personally like per, like as if that was a oh well he must really be behind yeah. because I mean I, I, I want to own win. the club. Yes. I, I mean personally, I want us to win every game. Oh really, <laughs> really, Mike? Good. Hold the front page. I'm only bothered about sixty six percent of the game. So the rest yeah. of them, I, I'm happy us losing. He also yeah. said they said they asked him if we go down, are you still going to be the owner? And he said, yeah. Basically, it's like Sports Direct. I'm stuck with them. They're stuck with me. That's why he's, <laughs> he's just basically... But I thought there was some honesty there. He was like, look, this is just the way it is. Yeah. This is- but he's not stuck with us. It's not like we're not the cancer on him. He's the cancer on us. Like he could, he could sell us to somebody else. He could find another buyer. But he's he, waiting. He just, he, he just he wants want- his, his money. Yeah. So it's his choice. So he's not Which stuck is understandable with us. that he, yeah. he doesn't he want to make yeah. a loss. I think it's like being stuck with something that you know you can get more for on eBay in a while. You could technically sell it now. Yeah. He's in, he's in negative away. equity. Yeah. That's what he's <sighs> hate, you know? But uh, he's out there doing interviews again. Which is weird. Mm. And uh, Dave, your dad <laughs> is uh, working uh, very nobly... In Uganda, is that right? Yeah, he runs a charity over there, um, and uh, and it sounds like I'm about to like do some kind of appeal. <laughs> so He's still playing Coldplay just to get but, the charity thing. But uh, he texted you from Uganda, didn't he? Yeah, like uh, thirty seconds after the final whistle went, and my dad's there with with kids who are. You know, just they're struggling. It's so hard for him over there. The, he's over there, like he's donating. You know. Uh, knitted blankets and fire safety and he's donated like um breathing apparatus for 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 infants and stuff like that and the first thing he did 30 seconds after was to send me a message going you're fucked that was it just like that that's what was on his mind those are the circumstances he's in right now and looking at the devastation around him and he's looking at newcastle united and saying that we're fucked so that's the situation that we're in anything else We've already Should overrun. Look ahead to the Norwich game quickly. Oh, we might as well. I mean, it's a couple of weeks away. Is there a podcast next week? Us. There isn't because it's the international break and we all love that. <laughs> but uh, luckily, we don't have that many players who are actually international footballers. Mm, nope. So there's some Shelby time to work with it. them. Uh, which is Jan Matt's not probably. been called up, which might mean he's injured, but hopefully doesn't. Yeah, it's probably just a knock. Uh, Norwich... Away, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what do you reckon, Paul? I think we're going to win. Yeah, because I'm deluded. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think two-one. Cool, that'd be good. I agree. I think we're going to win. I think it's going to be one-nil. One-nil. I'd love a clean sheet. I'm very concerned about the whole project. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and Norwich seem to be picking up form. And we have a new manager and all that. But I don't really feel like we're picking up form yet. I mean, Benitez, he's no Pearson. Yeah. I, didn't know. I do think we are. there are positives. I think we've conceded less in the last two games than we did in the one game before it. True. We're not sco- no one scores against Leicester at the moment. They've had three one nils in a row. Yeah. Mitrovic managed a goal. Benitez looks like... He can change a game in the middle, at least. And one of the complaints you used to have, Paul, about uh, Steve McLaren was that he didn't look like he knew what his first team was. Yeah. I would say that Benitez is all, not only knows what his first team is, what his first choice would be, but he also knows 
if plan A's not working out, yeah. I've got plan A, plan B, plan C, and plan, let's bring on De Jong. That should be plan A. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm so, going to go 1-1. One, one. Shut up. No way. But, that's but I think that wouldn't Jesus. be the end of the world either. A one-all draw with Norwich. Because we've still got a game in hand on, over them. So you keep them in and, yeah. Well, we'll see. It makes them playing Sunderland all the bigger. Sure, we'll see. Yeah. Listen, guys, it's great to be back in the country. It's great to have you back. It's great to be back with you guys. I mean, thanks. I was in Cape Town for a week, probably the most beautiful city I've ever been to. <laughs> but it was great to um, uh, come back and spend some time with you guys talking about the most miserable part of my life. <laughs> are, you, are, you, are you approaching rock bottom? I think I've. <coughs> I didn't realise rock bottom could get as low as, as this. Low as this. <laughs> Let's wait till the last day of the season. I think there's plenty. Yeah. There's plenty no. of rock bottom to go around. No, to be fair, I would be. I would. I would almost be in a better mood if we'd lost. Because if we'd have, if we'd have lost, I would have thought I would be able to get rid of it. You know, yeah. Be able to like that's it. It's over. But now it's that cruel. Hope, it's the hope that kills you. Yeah. And on that note... (laughs) Have a lovely weekend. Have a nice international break, guys. Yeah. Uh, Thank you, Paul Doolan. Thank you. Thank you, Dave Watson. Thanks, Ferg. My name is Fergus Craig. Sorry for being so miserable. Thank you. (laughs) Goodbye. This is a Playback Media production served to you in association with Why Not Think People. Sports Social Podcast Network.